friends. How you doing? How have you been? Good? I certainly hope so. Uh, I hope you're ready for another episode of Terribly Funny. I am your host and best friend, Steve Bazalone. Uh, and this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Ooh, what a fun idea, right? Let's get to feeling some feelings. Um, I hope you guys are having a great week because uh, if you're not, it's about to get better. Because today I've got a great guest, a man by the name of Matt Myra. Um, what can I tell about Matt Myra? Well, uh, Mr. Myra and I are currently working working together on the hit situation comedy, The Goldbergs. It's on ABC. Check it out if you've not seen it. Um, but you know Matt from many other things. He's basically Mr. Podcast, so much so that he gave me many tips on how to make my podcast better before we even started, because he knows things. And me, I don't. Um, but he was on the Nerdist Podcast forever, still is. Uh, he and Mr. Chris Hardwick, you know, making all sorts of funnies with uh, fancy people doing uh, cool interviews. He's a very talented fellow, that Myra. Uh, you've also, he was also a writer on at midnight he's uh, worked on attack of the show he's currently got a new little deal on a, a new platform called project alpha and it's sidekick with matt myra i think there's only been three episodes that have gone up maybe two so look it up check it out he's a delight he's a delightful talented guy support the things he does um how's that for an intro that was a pretty good intro. You know, you've got context. You know who we're talking to. Uh, and today, Mr. Meyer and I are going to talk about, oh, shit, many things. We're going to talk about, you know, Jaws and uh, 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 entertainment at all. Uh, when I said Jaws, I should get more context. It's not the Bond villain. It's the actual movie with the shark. Um, and we're also going to talk about, you know, overcoming adversity like uh, being uh, very overweight in your late teens and uh, uh, questioning your mortality and all those things. It's a fun little chat. Uh, I hope you guys like it. Uh, I think I, I think I feel confident that you will. So, you know, get yourself cozy. And uh, here we go. Another delightful episode of Terribly Funny with your friend of mine, Mad Myra. Uh, theme music, please. And we put each other into the deep end, but there is only one. That's when shit gets free. You can't just have a 90-degree angle. The whole first playing. season of The Real World in New York... The only furniture in that apartment was love seats. Well, that's when people stop being polite. Yeah, and they start getting real because you're sitting so close together. (laughs) That's the only option you have. (laughs) We should relaunch the love, the the real world, but just with a love seat. Just with love seats and only Eric (laughs) Neese. It's just him and his friends. Eric Neese and he just meets a a new person comes in every week. Yeah, seven people. Seven, yeah, and maybe you get a. It's Eric Neese and like, if we can dig up Puck. (laughs) Oh. He's diggable. Yeah, you think so? Is he alive? Great question. Yeah. I don't know. The big thing with Puck was that he ate peanut butter with his hand, right? And he was an asshole. He was an asshole to Pedro. Which was kind of inexcusable. Yes. That's that's very unlikable. And honestly, it was interesting that Pedro was the one who was sick and ended up dying of AIDS because... Uh, Puck looked like he was the one who was sick and dying of it. Yeah, because he had like all sorts of face fucking scars. Yep. Yep. He was a bike messenger. Right. And also, I think he was just like a drug. Was he local to San Francisco? I, he must have been. You don't like just move there and all be all of a sudden become a bike messenger, right? right. Not in those streets. No. But he must have been much. amazing cats. Great cast. Have you tried riding a post? He had Impossible. A great, great physique. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. I have not tried riding a post. I've ridden through the Presidio. Uh, it's a hilly nice. town. It is. It's, a, known it's for. the worst town. I, the I, worst town? You don't like San Francisco? I, it shouldn't be built there. I think oh, it's the, well, yeah. like I love the like I love the vibe of it, etc. It's an impractical town. It's, I think it's ridiculous that they built a city on it. I was we were yeah. once I was driving, we were at Sketchfest one year, and we were in my Humble car. Ride. I was in a Honda Civic hybrid. Mm-hmm. 
again, humble Another brag. humble brag, yeah. It's a high <laughs> And we were driving, and it was uh, Jonah, Ray, and his wife, Deanna. Sure. And it was me and my girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time, and we were driving up, I'll say it was post, because it was sure. one, one of these incredible hills. Yeah. And we, you know, stop and go traffic, there's a stop sign, probably three cars back, where essentially at as steep an incline as you can be when the car it, went i hit the gas uh-huh. the car didn't move didn't move at all i didn't move at all because there's no power in that it car it just wasn't taking and yeah. i gunned it then i had everybody get out oh no and then i hit the gas and there's still people Nothing behind happened. you still people behind me i had to back down the one way hill in my hybrid honestly then, this feels like the worst thing that's probably ever happened to you it might be yeah and then i uh immediately i think within that was january by april i had gotten rid of the civic hybrid and bought, an, uh, bought a uh, jeep wrangler sport yeah because now you can go to san francisco and everything you i want. was like i'm not having that happen again no that's gross that's plus terrible. in a zombie apocalypse i feel like you want a four-wheel drive car you sure do plus like in the winter you're okay you get the roof the summer Roof off. Roof off. You thought of everything. It was the perfect. Uh, you know what it's not a great town for? I will also tell you. Um, it's not a great town for having a old mm-hmm. uh, stick shift. I had uh-huh. an Oldsmobile, a 96 Oldsmobile sure. Chiva, the first like two times I drove up there. And um, I learned to drive stick on that car. So the clutch was a real burned out. <laughs> also, I drove across country uh-huh. and I drove it a shit ton. And being on, like, one of those hills and, yeah. like, not having a ton of weight in the car, yep. but just, like, ooh, just hoping, yeah. like, I was, like, a, I was a skilled stick driver right. at that point. But, like, just, like, there's four people behind me and just, like, oof, I'm just going to have to burn the fuck out of this to make sure I don't drift at all. I lost my clutch on the 101 in mm-hmm. the third lane right before Barham in stop, and go, in stop and go traffic. My clutch, it just went out? My clutch just died. At that mm. point, it just went out. So I had we had to be pushed by a CHP officer off of the 101, causing so much more traffic. Oh, Jesus. It was insane. You've got a lot Those of... Those are the worst things yeah. that have ever happened. That's not great. I uh, You'll appreciate the story. I was up in San Francisco. Uh, it was October. Mm-hmm. I know this because I had to drive home on the game where the Red Sox mounted the enormous comeback. Sure. The first game that turned it all around. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember driving in the car. I was, was so drunk because it was a Steeler game that day. And also it was like 23. Yeah. My buddy Phil Collins. Uh-huh. Um, different. Not Sue Studio. Just happened to be. But all, which is kind you know of inexcusable. For the story. Yeah. We'll just Phil say. Collins. Yeah. So he was just wouldn't stop talking about Tarzan. <laughs> I wrote this. For that was the poll I was going to make. Yeah. God damn it. It's his yeah. best work. It is. It really is. Um, and just being so drunk and waking up because they were just, they were so far behind yeah. and passing on the car with my girlfriend as Phil drove mm-hmm. and waking up and it was like in the, you know, 10th inning. Oh was, my God. Yeah. It was very exciting. It was a great time to be alive. I was still in really was. at that point. 2004, I was 21 and I was in college. Oh yeah. I was 20, uh, the three and mm-hmm. not in college, just graduated. It was great. It was a good time. Um, well let's switch up from good times yeah. to bad times. Seamless. Oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah, you know, that's what we do here. You know, I I listen to this podcast. You're the one. I uh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. I try to download it at least twice. Hey. Up those numbers. Yeah, there you go. Write a review on iTunes, listeners. Uh-huh. This helps. It does help. This helps Steve. Yeah. Uh, See, you know, you know a lot it? about this. I do. You know all about this world. Like I am just Been like on my toe for too long. Yeah, so much so that today we got an email. My wife sent me an email. Mm-hmm. 
we do a podcast about us going through IVF. It's a very... Very cool. It's like we're in the seventh episode, but we got an email from a girl asking life advice because I said, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not going through IVF and you just need me to answer some life advice... That's nice. Go ahead. Fire off an email. And she, uh, in the body of the email, told us that she had started listening to me on the Nerdist podcast when she was 11. Oof. That's... That's a long... That makes you feel not, not, I've been not doing young. No. She's 73. She's become a woman. Yeah. Started well, as a girl. That's exciting. Know? Yeah, but this is your this is your world. Yeah. This is I, your wheelhouse. I live in... I have a, I have a face and a voice for radio. Yeah. You, so do, you do have a nice voice. I'm here for that. And uh, it's just, you know, it's interesting what you... When you hear podcasts that aren't doing it right, when you hear that, it's yeah, you just gave like, me a bunch of tips. I Matt just gave, gave you a bunch tips. of tips before we started this. Like, here's how yours can sound better. Because, like, I do this just for a hobby because we now work on the same job. Yes. And uh, you've worked on this job for what four months now? Three yeah, months. Thereabouts. Okay. So, uh, as much as it's a great job, you understand the frustration. Sure. As there is with any job. Any job. So I started time. this purely just as like an outlet, something else. That's you need not, to do something creative that isn't what you're. Even getting though it's paid not that creative, it's still like just having earnestness. Yeah, but you still get life. an outlet where you aren't. You're not going to squeeze earnestness into the first two acts of a Goldberg script. Oh no! And then the third act, it just comes. It just it's just there regardless. You have to get it out. Yeah, yeah. It's just coming regardless of what's happened <laughs> yeah. in the previous, you know, twenty-seven pages. Um, yeah. So this is I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having a good time doing yeah. it. Yeah. So it's uh, great. Yeah. It's a good podcast, which oh, is thanks. why I'm telling your listeners to mm-hmm. please rate uh, rate Steve on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, write a review. That helps a lot. Mm. And uh, you know what? Subscribe. Uh, do it from multiple locations. You could yeah. subscribe from everywhere. Oh shit! And let's get those numbers up. Let's get those numbers up. I want to see you jump in the what category you're in. Because uh, I comedy? just searched by. Okay. I think it's let's comedy. Think the comedy. Are you in the top two fifty? You must. Uh, be. I don't know. You must be. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I bet you are. I I really I as I have a I told you I have a a, a a young man by the name of Hayden who does all the stuff the technical stuff. Is this what Hayden Christensen has ended up doing? Yeah, you know after after he did Broken Glass, yeah. he's like fuck it. Let's <laughs> just you know I just want to get the. You know I loved working with Kevin Klein, but yeah, I just really feel like I need House to of Glass go behind pass. the scenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You understand. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad that we started the transition into you talking about bad things and just all just tips. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about my life. I lead a life that nothing like truly heartbreaking has happened to me. That's knock a good on, thing. Knock on wood. That's a great thing. Yeah, it's. It's a good thing, but it's also like to to Megan's point, mm-hmm. uh, Megan Nuringer, who was on a few episodes ago, sure. or an episode. I don't know when you're scheduling these. So it was last week. Great. Yeah. Uh, she was talking about how she had such tragedy in her early life, and she's like, you know, maybe it's a thing where I've lived the tragedy, and now I get to go through life right. like this. That's and I that. feel that way from the opposite angle, right. where I'm like, everything's you're- been. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good, though. I've been charmed. I've had a charmed sort of existence. Well, I think, look. Not Dan Levy-esque. No, no. No one. No, no one can be, you know, life's uh, Labrador. <laughs> no, one can, no one can giggle through life with a bag full of knives. Yeah, and just be <laughs> so happy about almost everything. Um, no, but, well, I mean, look, we are both white dudes mm-hmm. born in America, so... Yeah. All of, and we're just born in America in general. Everything yeah. that happens, like, you know, that's another thing I spoke yeah. to Megan about. Mm-hmm. Like, 
we have we've I've had my shit. Right. She's had her shit, and yeah. you've had your shit. Yeah. In like in con- in, in context the, yeah. compared to other people who are in it's not child slavery, you know, it's it's pretty yeah. okay. We're not having our family killed in a hospital bomb. It's not. Yeah. yeah there's like there's so there's so much, and especially now when you read the news, it just it is sort of like. You, I, I am at least aware of how lucky I've been. Well, that's good. Yeah. Does what is that? Okay. What does that make you? Do you think about? Do you? Do you? Is something that's on your mind often yeah. about how lucky you feel? And inversely, are you? Do you have a sense? What kind of person are you? Because I don't know you super yeah, well. Like, what, yeah. do you do you have like a sense of impending doom? Like, I've been lucky for too long. Uh, well, shit, I always because I know you're a gambler. And this is an interesting thing too. I talk to my therapist about this uh-huh. often, which is I have a an outlook on life where I'm always expecting the worst. Always, okay. Constantly, like I try to like look down the road two, three years and just go, okay, this terrible, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, all leading to me penniless and alone. Mm-hmm. They're all just sort of like I'm like, oh, I'll get this job and it'll be great. But then I'm like, well, what if I don't come back next season? What if the show gets canceled? What if this, that, or the sure. other thing happens? So then I have to like in my mind also prepare for that sort of scenario. So right. it never, nothing ever takes me by surprise because I've already thought of the terrible scenarios, which I think might help me with what I'm going through now with my wife, which is right. us trying to have a child. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think, um, well, two things. Mm. There is, uh, and I, I think I maybe even quoted this on this very podcast before, but I know there's a thing, I was on the Michael J. Fox show for a while, so I, like, I had already read his books, but rereading it, getting ready for that, because yeah. a lot was doing with his life, or mimicking his actual life, and he has a quote that was just like, if you always uh, plan for the worst case scenario, and it actually happens, you will have lived that reality twice. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there's a partially, it's like, okay, if you do that, it's, you're wasting energy to a degree. Yeah. And you're also, uh, um, you can kind of almost create a little bit of your own destiny. Uh, yeah, and it's like it in the some wrong ways. vision board. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, whether or not you believe in that shit or not. But the other side of that is, like, I think in life I don't, like, always expect or think about the worst. Mm-hmm. But, like, in business... Yeah. And like this weird yeah. fucking thing we do, I'm always like, well, it's probably going to be nothing. Like right. whatever pitch or whatever so thing. So much is nothing. Yeah, it's all nothing. So much is nothing. So like in that regard, like I am more of like a pessimistic realist where I think in life I'm more like an optimist, optimistic realist. Right. Where like, so in business, I'm like, it's probably going to be nothing. And if it does happen, it's like, oh, well, that's exciting. Yeah, you talk about, I talk about nothing until it's like, like I'm doing this show on Project mm-hmm. Alpha, which is Legendary's thing, and I no one knew about it right. until I had done an episode and posted a promo on the internet. Because you're kind of like, Because well, I was just like, well, it could literally go away. It might, might, might be nothing. Any second. Yeah. It could be a thing where they're like, well, we thought about it, but you know what? We're folding everything. Yeah. You know, I've seen that happen a thousand times. Right. Pilots and just like, it's just... Oh, for sure. The, 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 the fact that you're... I mean, just know when you're home watching television, it's just a miracle that anything is on. I I feel that way very much. So like it's it's I am I am not uh, immune to being a uh, judgmental asshole. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll sure. see a movie and be like what a train wreck, what yeah. a flaming piece of garbage. Yeah, but I also feel like oftentimes reminding myself. But being, LeBron James was good, right? Uh, oh yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. He was real good. It's a train wreck, Jeff. Uh, it really. I, I actually saw a movie recently. Uh, uh, a it's a rough cut, but it was it was fun. 
uh, when you come into new movie mm-hmm. and Blake Griffin is in it and he's like he's so funny though That's he's so thing. funny it's ridiculous it's like come on man yeah Come you have on. to be good at that. Leave something for the, those. <laughs> that's we all develop those skills because we can't do yeah. what you can. Right. Anyways, I don't even remember what the fuck I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna say just the fact that like anything that is r- remotely good ever mm-hmm. is like a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like so many moving pieces. There's like so you've many been steps. a part of things yeah. that have been like this should all work out, and then yeah. it comes together and like what well, didn't work it here. Wasn't quite what I thought yeah. it would be. We really had something great. Like the fact that Jaws exists is a miracle to me. Yeah. It's such, you know, it's shot in what 76 with yeah, a fucking mechanical car with a with a with a shark that wasn't <laughs> The yeah. documentary's called The Shark is Not. The Shark is Not Working is the name of the documentary because that thing never worked, which made Spielberg have to Be not shoot the shark. Yeah. Shark, so which you're is better. always and it just made the movie so much better. Yeah. So like it's just like a series of of events that at the time might have seemed like he probably hated it he probably was like fuck the shark's not working right now I can't even show the shark but it just made it so much better well, things that are out of your hands are just there's also a story whether or not this is folklore because I've heard it many times mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true yeah. but I've heard it a bunch so I'm going to say that it is probably true um, that while uh, Spielberg was shooting Close Encounters uh, George Lucas came to set and he was in the middle of shooting Star Wars and he was freaking out because he was like, I don't know if what I'm doing is any good. I think this is like, I think it's terrible. And he's like looking around at Close Encounter, or not Close Encounter, yeah, Close Encounter. Yeah. Um, and he's looking around, he's like, this is what I should be doing. This is, look at this. Like, this is the, the way this is set design. It's more real. And so they agreed to like, all right, well, let's trade some points in each other's movies. Yeah. So Spielberg, without doing anything, has made like over the course of what thirty-five years, millions and millions of dollars just off of uh, George, Wars. Just off of George off Lucas, of like spinning, spinning out. Like, am I doing the right thing? Is it going to be good? It's interesting. Like Spielberg is. Uh, do you know that Spielberg still makes like ten percent of the gate at Universal Studios theme parks? What did you not know that? No. Because when they first were like, "Let's do this theme park. Let's do it right." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what we're we gonna need? We're gonna need only Jaws. We're gonna need a Jaws thing. We're gonna need ET. It'd be great to turn sure. it into a ride. So they're like, well, let's get Spielberg involved on this. And how they got him involved was they were like, okay, we'll pay you as a consultant ten percent of the gate. Ten <laughs> percent of the gate? It's like a it's it might not be ten. It's higher than three. I mean, that's, but a percentage that of the it theme was gonna be a crazy gate. amount. I know. That's why he's worth three and a half billion dollars. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just want to be Steven Spielberg one day. I don't want to direct or anything. I just want to have that money. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. Like, I talked to, you know, my therapist about the gambling thing. Like, mm-hmm. I love gambling. Mm-hmm. How did that, where did that come from? Where did I you, don't, were you raised with gambling? No, not at all. You just like it. Not at all. It just turned into, Is, it, I started to love, the way I got into loving Las Vegas. Mm-hmm was the fact that I always have enjoyed infrastructure. Is this, like, crazy sounding? I don't... Well, I just, I just find it amazing just that be- man can build this in the desert. Oh, yeah, when there's nothing? So, there's like, nothing just there? the fact that there's these fountains, there's these enormous hotels yeah. in the middle of the nowhere. The amount of electricity that keeps that... It has to- they it need. just it just fascinates. Yeah, practically me. it doesn't make sense. Like I loved watching modern marvels on mm-hmm. the History Channel, like sure. the Hoover Dam. Like whoa, they yeah, man, I mean, like what two hundred people died making yes. things. But have yeah. you been to the Hoover Dam? Yeah, it's incredible. It's insane it's how bonkers. big it is. Yeah. So it's like these little things. So 
when we when I first moved out to Los Angeles, we drove mm-hmm. and we stopped in Las Vegas, and sure, I just was just like, oh my god, this is place is incredible. At the time, I had the Star Trek ride still. Oh sure, and so that's Vegas your sweet spot. And I was yeah. like, well, I mean, this place nothing <laughs> nothing could be better than this. <laughs> Is uh, Roddenberry getting ten percent of that? <laughs> no, I think that yeah. that's all shut down now. Oh, and well, Star Trek was mismanaged for yeah. a long time, and we could get into that on a different podcast. It's called Star Trek: The Next Conversation. Oh, it's coming. Okay. It's coming. Great. With Andy Secunda and Matt Myra. Oh boy, I'm plugging things that haven't happened yeah, well, yet. Well, that's good. It's a tease, everybody. Sure. Um, so you know, I when I figured out that Las Vegas was four hours away from Los Angeles, I was like, well. Four hours isn't, you can do that in a day. And then when I started to get, when I started working at the Apple store, I would have random days of the week off, you know? Mm-hmm. So you work five days, but you have like a Wednesday and a Sunday off or something. So on these Wednesdays, I would just go like, you know, literally nothing for me to do right now. I'm going to get in my car and drive to Las Vegas. Just by yourself? Just by myself. Wow. I would go in the morning. I would leave at like 8.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I would get to Las Vegas by lunchtime. Sure. I would have a nice lunch. Sure, as you I would know. go play roulette. Because I got, I got obsessed with the roulette that was uh, computer betting, but with real wheel. I don't, you're, I, I, this is how little I know about gambling, but I can understand It's a thing that exists. So uh-huh. there's a, at the time there was a, there was an actual dealer, I suppose you'd call them a dealer still, sure. when they were doing roulette. Yeah, yeah. a croupier. Yeah, a croupier. Uh... Spinning a real wheel and all the betting was done. You'd sit at a oh, I station see. and you'd I do the betting. On her. You'd give her like a hundred dollars and she'd credit your machine a hundred dollars. Okay. Then you start making the bets. So then I just would do that constantly. And my budget at the time when I would go, I would go with a hundred and sixty dollars. So not nothing. That was You're like a young kid. That was my that was my Vegas budget, which sounds so insane to me now. Right, because you'll lose that in twenty minutes. It, Twenty well, five minutes. If I'm lucky, yeah. <laughs> Just like, I've you know I've done some roulette wheel spins for seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh boy, how those go? It's insane. Uh, pretty well because I try to bet. I I don't bet on specific numbers. I think mm-hmm. that's just a fool's errand. Sure. So I just like to take the three to one odds payouts on the groups of twelve numbers. So you can bet on the first twelve okay. numbers, second twelve numbers, or third twelve numbers. And you split those. Great. So you theoretically have a two-thirds chance of getting three to one on that bet. Okay. So it's, you know, it's much less risk that way. And that's right. how James Bond does it in Casino Royale. That's Is that what he does? Ian Fleming lays out his James Bond's roulette method. And that is, All right. that is his method. Well, he's a smart man. Yeah. yeah. So I got into gambling like that. My therapist thinks that I like gambling so much because the outcome is not determined for me. Right. Whereas I feel like in life, because I'm going this is again his words, not Mm -hmm. so much mine, but like because I run down these disaster paths in my mind Mm -hmm. I am always planning for that. So when those bad things happen, I'm never like super surprised or anything like that but in gambling I always think those bad things are going to happen but it's such an immediate it didn't happen right, right that I get the gratification 
that I don't get in life. Well, but that you don't get that gratification in life when you're expecting well, the worst thing, and then like because oh. I don't know until I look back on it. Like when, right. like when I when we did at midnight, and we were on for, I think our order was like, well, maybe a month's worth of episodes. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I was just like, oh, man, I hope this show goes, but it's probably not going to go. We'll just go ahead and go away, and you'll never remember that it was a thing. Right. And then when I, by the time I was 120 episodes into the show, I was just like, I hate this. I can't fucking think of another hashtag. And then I just had never, at any point, I'd never sat and gone... Wow, this worked, and it was—it's amazing that it worked, and it's a thing, and I'm sure. enjoying it. Because there's life happens. Yeah, there's momentum. There's yeah, and, and then at the end of it, when I left, I was just like, "Wow, that's crazy that we went from that little tiny thing to like, because we just—it was three of us in a, like I remember the rehearsal shows, which were us with cardboard boxes and bells on top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like me, Vanessa Ramos, Blanca Patch. We were playing as the contestants. And then Hardwick sitting I at a... I think you should have just kept it like that. <laughs> sitting like at a, a... peanut spot. Yeah. And Hardwick was sitting at a, at a, at a wooden podium. Mm-hmm. And we just would run through sort of games and sort of see if they worked. And it's just interesting. It's like to see what the show is now. Right. Like with like what Joe is, Joe Randazzo has done with it. And sure. It's just such a he show. Guess. show. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's a co- you he's went to college, college with yeah. him, right? Yeah. You guys. He's a smart guys. I know. There's a bunch of us. Well, do you think... Okay, so right now you are going through. Uh, uh, right now it's IBS. like super that's, that, that's the acronym. In vitro fertilization. Yes. yes. So, what what is the the lesson to take away from that? Do you like ever after looking at that? Do you like feel like I should stop more and take stock of my life and I should feel? No, it's interesting because like currently, like literally right now, mm-hmm. we don't know if my wife is pregnant. Right. There is a fertilized embryo in my wife, at least that was placed in my wife last week. Right. So ten days later, we she goes for the blood test. This is going to happen on Friday, mm-hmm. where it will determine whether or not she's pregnant. So in my mind, I'm I'm just I'm trying to like think of all the ways I can be there for her. Right. If it doesn't go the way we'd like it to go. Sure. So that's the part one. Okay. Part two and of that's that. That's the thing that you're doing through most facets of life. Yeah. But this one really is like, because this is going to be... This is more. This is bigger. And this is like rejecting her every morning with drugs. And it's just like brutal on her body. And, you know, I just don't ever want her to feel like it's her fault or anything like that. So I'm just like thinking of ways of I can be like super supportive. It doesn't work out. If it works out, I haven't even thought about that. Right. Then I'm thinking about the fact that like, okay, if that doesn't work, we have one embryo left that is fertilized and healthy. It's a boy. But we wanted a girl and a boy. She's going to be older by the time we are able to do another cycle of IVF, which would be after the pregnancy. So we're going to hold off on that. Right. We're going to immediately do another cycle of IVF. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, that's going to be another $20,000. Oh, boy. Which is now, that'll be our third round of it. Sure. And that's all out of pocket. Oh, boy. Because there's no, insurance doesn't cover it. They don't give a shit. They don't care. Uh, so, and then in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, what am I doing right now? I'm like, okay, well, I'm on the Goldbergs. I'm doing that. I'm like, oh, that goes till, you know, maybe end of March. And then I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be back. It's, it's, so I have all these other scenarios in my head of like, well, what if we do the, doesn't work. We have to do IVF. Season comes, season five of Goldbergs comes around. I'm not on it. 
Like, what am I doing at that point? Right. How am I going to afford to pay for this twenty thousand dollars of? It'll be sixty. It'll be like sixty thousand dollars we've spent without a baby yet. Yeah. It's it's insane. And then the other scenario where I'm like, okay, we get pregnant, great. And then I just we we're doing a podcast, so we're hearing from people who've had every scenario well, possible. Well, that's nice, right? Isn't that it's interesting. It is. A, it's reassuring, but it's also like you forget about. As awful as it's now, you forget about miscarriages. You forget about There's so people email you. Yeah. It's like eight weeks in, we lost the baby. I'm like, right. oh my god, I have to think about that too. So it's never. Hmm. And then I think for the rest of your life, as far as I can tell, I'm going to be like a nervous parent. Well, sure. Well, like it seems like just in general, uh, and this is not something that I see from you know inner workings on a day to day you know pitch and dick jokes. Yeah. But like it feels like, are you? Do you think you're somewhat of a neurotic person? Because the way you're talking about, like, you're, it's a, you don't read as right. like overwhelming neuroses. I'm internally neurotic. Okay. I, I, I don't try to, ex- I don't like to externalize it. Yeah. Because I find that to be a personality trait that is annoying to everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, If sometimes. you're overly neurotic. Sure. Yes. You know, there's some neuroses that you're like, eh, right. That's charming. Yeah. But do you think this comes out of, do you think this comes out of what you were talking of earlier, that, like, you know, nothing that bad has happened right so do you because I found like in talking to uh, a bunch of people through doing this and also my experiences some people have had some level of tumult in their life Mm -hmm. had like some sort of disastrous thing to whatever degree and it's either made them like you know a lot more uh, guarded Mm -hmm. or it's just like oh I have to relinquish control. Yeah. I was like, well, like, there's only so much fucking shit I can do here. Right. Like, I am just a twig in the hands of a mighty river. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, it's going to fucking bounce me off of rocks. I have right. no control over this. Right. So do you think you're manifesting that because you're, like, worried about a big thing happening? Well, I think it's, it's interesting because that's the way I try to comfort my wife. Of, like, if she's stressed out about something, I, I, I will, like, sit her down and we'll have a discussion about it. And we'll tr- I'll try to be the logical one about it. Right. I'll be like, well, what can you do to change it right now? And we'll talk, and I'll be like, well, it's kind of out of my hands. I can't really do this or that. And we'll go, then we can't we can't worry about it. Yeah. Which is what I tell her. Right, but, inter- but internally, internally, I'm like, also a mess. Well, it's also... I... Uh, I have had my my father as a guest on the show before. Mm-hmm. My dad's an amazing dude. He's like, he's uh, he's a maniac, but like in the best way. He's like delightful and charming, and but he also is, I think, a little bit like what you're talking about. Yeah. Like he on the outwardly, he seems like very relaxed, yeah. but internally, he's incredibly neurotic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he has the same level of uh, uh, wherewithal yeah. that you do because it's a different generation. Yeah. But I think like as he's getting older, he's starting to realize like, oh. I'm seeing other things, facets about myself. Um, I don't know where I was going with this other than to say that, yeah, it's 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 one thing to say, like, everything's going to be cool, and then in the inside, it, it's freaking you out. Yeah. Now, I used to, like, when I was a kid, I was very happy-go-lucky, and I would, they would, my nickname at baseball camp was Smiley. Oh. Like, I was always, you like... You should stuck with that. That's <laughs> you know, right? Hey, it's Smiley. Yeah. How you doing, guys? But I, I, I don't know when the turn happened where I just, like... Like, I, what, what is, what, this is a fun question for mm-hmm. me to ask. Mm-hmm. I come into the room mm-hmm. in August. You guys are going already for three, four months. Yep. What, first impression, what do you think, 
do you think, oh man, this guy's bummed out all the time, or this guy's, what, no. what was your thought? Thought was uh, a little bit, this guy's a strong cup of coffee. Oh, all right. Because like, you, you came in, and I think, because you've done so many things on your own, yeah. uh, like walking into a room like this, where there's like a hierarchy. Yeah. As much as you don't see it, it's oh, like it's people are feeling sure. it. Yeah. So you're just like came with like a level of confidence and just like talked a lot. And I think initially that rubbed some people the wrong way. Yeah. They're like, well, who the fuck is this guy? But then that's always like new jobs whenever you come yeah. into anything. Yeah. But like I think you have like a level of confidence yeah. to you, which is good. Well, it's just, it, I think it's interesting too coming in to a sitcom world from a late night world. Sure. We're in a late night world. It's a different skill have set. Have you written on late night? Yeah. I mean, it's, I've done a bunch of sketch and stuff yeah. growing up. But. In a late night world, I think sketch rooms might be similar, but in a late night world, you just fucking... We need jokes. Yeah. Throw out whatever you got. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you have a shitty joke, we'll make fun of you for it. Yeah. Out loud. Yeah. There's and then we'll no, move on. No one's precious. Yeah. But in the sitcom world, mm-hmm. as I've come to figure out, mm-hmm. everyone's a little precious about everything. Yeah. Which is a thing I've had to figure out how to navigate. Right. But I think initially, I wonder if I... Like, but I wonder if I come across as happy or not. That's the question. I think you come across as happy. Okay. I never, I never, no, I never like question like this is like a, oh, a well, unhappy person. Yeah. No. Because you're like, you're a very, you're like a gregarious laugher. Yeah. I like, uh, I like a good laugh. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't like a good it's laugh? It's a signature. It's a Matt Meyer signature, the laugh. Oh no, clearly. <laughs> clearly. That's a lot of things that's going to be talked about on the next conversation. Um... So, okay, so when was the shift? Because if you were smiling... It's a great it's a great question. I think it just came as I got older. I do got, you feel dissatisfied? I think it all... No, I don't, I don't feel dissatisfied, per se. But I think it all harkens back to, as I got through adolescence, mm-hmm. I just started to get fatter mm-hmm. as a kid. Right. And then I think just being a fat kid... Sure. It's so, it's such a fucking rocky road, pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and I had to go to, like, dietitians when I was a kid, and I just had, it was... It can't feel great when you are just, like, being formed. Your personality is... No, it never did, and then that's, my sense of humor sort of all stemmed from being the fat kid, Mm -hmm. which I just would try to make fun of myself before anybody else could. Was that, were you cognizant of that? Yeah, 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 and I had to be because my name was Matt, which rhymed with fat. And sure, like, that's well, not great. Fuck. Fat, fat Myra, really yeah. easy to do. Um, so as a kid, I just around six or seven years old, I feel like I just started to be aware of how fat I was. Mm-hmm. Which, like, as a kid, when you're not in school, you're not aware of it. Yeah. Also, I wasn't, and it, it just sort of happened. I don't know when it started to really go, but like when I was a kid and I was playing baseball. I had to, my mother couldn't find baseball pants that fit me. Right. So I was on the Phillies, which was a red. Sure. We just had the red Phillies uniform when, yeah. when they first changed their uniforms, like 93, 94. Right. So we had the new Phillies logo. It wasn't and, like the old. Right. Weird. It wasn't the old. Well, I was on that uniform too, but the next year they changed the uniform, so we got the new uniform. That's exciting. It was very exciting. Yeah. And uh, I just remember my mother, we couldn't find baseball pants that fit me as a kid. 
So she was like, well, I'll just get, I'll just go get you some sweatpants. Mm-hmm. She got red sweatpants. Oh, no. <laughs> so That's like, here, put this bell around your neck. It just Ugh. looked like a fucking tomato. And did you at some point be like, maybe this is not a great idea? Or you, you didn't know, even think about I it because you're like, a young kid. I just was like, not even really. It like bothered me a little bit, but I never thought about it. Right. And then, but just, like, looking back through, like, photos of just, like, I'm the only fucking person out here that yeah. is completely covered in red. legit, like, a blinking red light. It was, it's insane. And, like, that is something I always think about. The other thing that's crazy that my mu- my aunt said to me, and I don't know what happened, and I've talked to my therapist about it, and I just, like, I don't know if there's, like, a repressed thing or something that happened yeah. to me, but when I was six years old, my aunt says... And I don't really remember this, but I believe it. We, uh, I was eating my birthday cake. Mm-hmm. I was, like, eating a ton of cake. Sure. Birthday. <laughs> and my aunt went over to me and said, Matthew, why are you eating all the cake? And I said to her, because if I don't, I'll die. Oh, my. Don't know where that came from. Why that happens? That's one of those things. You're a kid, so it's like, well, kids say the darndest things. But also, like, what is the truth there? Like, right. you don't know to mask whatever weird, yeah, shit is happening in your psyche. Yeah, I just, is that something that you've ever felt? No, no, I've never felt that I need to keep eating or I will die. No, but I mean, like, is I've there... felt many times if I keep eating, yes, I, will... I will die. Yeah, the inverse of that. <laughs> oh man, it was yeah. So. It was interesting. And then, like, you know, so then I was pretty fat through into high school. High school, I started playing football and baseball. And, I mean, I was pretty, by the end of... What did you play? Were you, like, a linebacker? Where were you? Uh, when I was playing football, I was a nose guard. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Sure, sure. Uh, and when I was playing baseball, I was a uh, first baseman. Yeah. I'm left-handed. So, you yeah. Know, lefty power hitter. Don't want to worry about it, but it's got a pretty good stroke. Yeah, yeah. Had a pretty good stroke. (laughs) That's the thing. From Smiley and the old old strokes. Stroke Smyra. A funny thing about high school so when I was wearing the uniform, the baseball uniform and the football uniform, my pants were never staying up. Mm -hmm. So the solution that my mother came up with for me was that I would wear industrial strength suspenders. Oh, boy. So you look like a long short. <laughs> well, I just had these suspenders, and I could never, like, fully tuck in my baseball uniform. So it was... And also the other funny thing about it was that I always I always used a wooden bat. And I was the only guy really? that used a wooden bat. Why did you like that? I just was like, well, the pros use a wooden bat. I'm going to use a wooden bat. Yeah, but that's also... They have to. They would use aluminum <laughs> in a heartbeat. Right. So it would be so well, many you'd dingers. Also, everyone would be dying. Uh, yeah. Uh... But I would use a wooden bat, so I would come lumbering up to the plate with suspenders and a fucking wooden bat. And these people would pitch around me like crazy, thinking I was gonna, like, I'm thinking it was like Babe Ruth reincarnated coming up to the plate. Just yeah. <laughs> but I was just a high school student. And in football, I wore suspenders, too, under my uniform to keep my fucking pants up. <laughs> you're, it like, was, you're like Gallagher. It was, it was yeah. crazy. And then, so after, yeah, after I got injured playing football my sophomore year I got uh or was a junior year I my was blocking the A gap and the running back was running the wrong play not looking he's supposed to go through the B gap Mm -hmm. not blocking the A he just ran into my arm 
and sent the elbow going the other way, which is why actually this is as straight as I can make my arm. Oh, this that's angle fun. here. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, had to go to the hospital. They had to cut the uniform off me and like deal with my arm, and that was sort of when I stopped. That was I stopped playing sports at that point, right. and then I started to get pretty fat, and then it just started to go crazy. I was just eating constantly, mm. and then it was by the time I hit my peak. Mm-hmm. It was 460 pounds. That's a lot. It's a fuck ton. Yeah. And that was 2003. So that was your still in college. Yeah. 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 Well, what did that... Was it a... Um, the, a dog chasing its tail kind of a scenario? Uh, I don't... I don't... I don't really... I don't know why. It was a social thing for me, right. I think. Where all of my friends, we would always go out to eat. Sure. Just a thing we did. But I was apparently eating more than everybody right. else. But it was just like, socially, we would always, you know, we were fucking... My best friends from high school even to now, we mm-hmm. just would be over their house all the time, ordering like Domino's, ordering like, oh, yeah. just like eating like yeah. maniacs. Like also that age, that's, what young, you, that's yeah, when you do it. Like young man, but I was eating like that and I was not doing anything else. Right. So it got to be, it got to be crazy difficult for me. Sleep apnea wise, mm-hmm. that was, it was horrible. I'm sure. I would always, I'd get sleep paralysis. I would stop breathing. Oh boy. I would, many nights, I would think to myself, I'd be aware that I couldn't breathe. I'd be aware that I was sleep paralyzed and couldn't move. And I would just be like, okay, I'm dying. I'm dying. Jesus fuck, man. So and you talked about, like, I've had a pretty nice life. Well, I have know, never, well, I have a few times where I've did. laid in bed thinking that I'm dying, but that was because I maybe was. But also, you were kind of yeah. as well. But You just can't get the breath. It's right. the most terrifying thing I've been through. Yeah. Um, and it was. It got to be so... When you say you can you can feel that, are you conscious or you're like in like a dream state? You're in like a waking sleep kind right. of thing where all these uh, alien abductions happen for people, you know? Uh, sure. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. So it's the... But it's the, it's the being aware. I'm just like in my mind, just trying to will. Every ounce of me is trying to will this lump, giant body mm-hmm. to just shift, move so I can get a breath. And there were times where it would take quite a while, and it wouldn't be coming. And I would be like, "This is okay. This is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die." When you're in, in this, like, you're already in this like twilight state. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I mean, I feel like that is. I made the terrible analogy like a dog chasing its tail, but like it's it's uh, it's cyclical because yeah. if you're having that, then you're tired all the time. Right. So that doesn't do anything yeah. in terms of like making your situation better in terms right. of being healthier because you're exhausted. It was it was it was an interesting period of my life because I was still living with my I was living with my parents and going to school in Boston. Mm-hmm. We lived in Lowell. Sure. And it was like yeah, a third, there was a train that would go into Boston. Yeah. And I would take the train usually, sometimes drive. Um, but uh, I just it's just interesting to me how often or how quickly, rather, I became accepting of, like, oh, I'm probably going to die. Because it just was like a... It hits oh, you in a moment. Sure. Like, have you ever been in, like, a crazy plane ride or a crazy, like, situation where you're, like, where you thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to die? 
Um, Maybe when you yeah. were sick or just when like, I was sick. I think was was the, was the most when it happened. I, I've had like you know like mo- like brief flashes of like yeah. oh, I almost got into a car accident or like had a yeah. bumpy flight. But yeah. like I remember there being two or three two times I think particularly where like I was like I think I might be dying. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, I sometimes I used to when I was younger and then I got sick so that kind of got knocked out of my system when I used to whatever, whatever I forget what the, the actual condition's called but when I get blood like sometimes I will get lightheaded and pass yeah. out yeah and then I did it so much over a period of time that my I just like had to soldier through it so it didn't become a thing anymore but there recently like uh Two months ago, I went to get a physical, and they took blood, and I was sitting up, and because you're getting a physical, you're not supposed to eat beforehand, so I, like, passed out and just, like, woke up on the floor with my head in a lady's hands, and it's, like, it's not a thing. It's not a thing that you're actually going to have any problems from, but, like, I felt so fucking awful for those five minutes. It was, like, this is, like, as bad as I felt when I was actually almost going to die. It's just, like, a bizarre thing, but it's just a weird moment of, like, oh, this is what this must feel like. Yeah. This is terrible. But it was also like a situation where I just was like okay with it. I was just like, eh, if I die like this, this is how I die. Well, in those moments when you were laying in bed and you're in this twilight and you're like, oh, I, this is it. Yeah. Were you terrified? Or, I mean, I know you're not totally conscious, but... No. That was the scary thing after the fact to me. It was right. just like how quickly accepting of it I was. I was just like, I'm going to die. Okay, so this is how it goes. All right. I love my family. And then, well, you know, I would catch the breath. Yeah. So it got to be so bad, this sleep apnea. You know, they gave me the CPAP machine, which is just putting... It's a, yeah. it's a mask you wear that just pressurizes air constantly. It's a constant flow right. of air that goes into you, so you can't close up your airway. Right. And it was uncomfortable to sleep because I like to sleep on my stomach. So I have the same. It was just... It was terrible. So it got to the point where I would sleep in my bed... I would pull the cushions. There was a love seat in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I would pull the cushions off the love seat, put them down at my bed, and I would kneel like I was praying. Mm-hmm. And I would sleep kneeling. That doesn't sound comfortable at all. It was the. It was so comfortable because really? I would sleep with a free air passage. Oh wow! So like it was either chance stop breathing, or sleep on your knees. So that. <laughs> It was, it was an insane period of time. How long was this period? This was like probably 2001 to 2003, probably two years. Oh, man, two years. Two years of like... And that's when you were a young man. Yeah. You were in your and early I was 20s, just like, teens. Yeah, and I was just like using... My body just felt, like my body felt so old. It just felt... Yeah. Isn't that a, a not to totally? I'm just selfishly yeah. talking about me now, um, but like it's a crazy thing when you're young and you just feel you like I, you look at your peers and like everybody else is so yeah. full of fervor and life, life. and zest yeah. and like I feel like I'm 78. Yeah, everyone else is hearing "Walking on Sunshine" and you're yeah. listening to Johnny Cash's cover of "Hurt." Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting because like I've had the exact opposite experience of you. Like at my at my worst, I weighed ninety three pounds. Yeah, and like to the point where I couldn't. I used to take these baths because my ass would be in so much pain from shitting forty times a day. Yeah, that I'd take baths just to like. Fu- and also it was just like it, yeah. it was a common thing to do. But I couldn't sit in the tub because I had no fat reserves. It was oh. just like bone. Like it hurt just to be on a tub because there was no yeah. cushion anywhere. Yeah. 
but it's just like it was the inverse of what you felt but the right. same thing of feeling just so old it it's a crazy th- you got to be sort of as we're talking about this right now i'm just sort of thinking to myself i better start going back to the gym i mean yeah i got this far yeah i should just keep it up but it was a time where i just couldn't and hang out with my friends going to the mall or something or going wherever i always had to like find a bench yeah i'd find the next bench and i'd sit i couldn't walk you know uh, probably a quarter mile i would guess would be the limit of my walking before i would have to take a breather yeah so started seeing some doctors some specialists at, at mass general mm-hmm. they're like well here's the deal if you don't lose weight you're gonna die so it's pretty stark <laughs> yeah. yeah so here's what we can do we can do gastric bypass on you mm-hmm. I was like okay I'm like we've never done it on anyone this young mm-hmm. I was like okay <laughs> like this already does not sound yeah, like I was like, okay I'm listening still listening um, we're gonna have to here's how this works we're gonna this is a this is, I don't know if you're familiar with how yeah, gastric sure. bypass works mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, it was developed for, they found it accidentally. They discovered gastric bypass for treating people with colon cancer. Right. Which is something I'm accustomed to or aware of. Yeah. So they would, uh, they just realized that, oh my God, these people, the fact that it's not having to go through the intestines and the fact that we're having to take part of the stomach and do this and do that. Well, your your stomach's not big anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't fit as much in there, and your our patients are inadvertently losing right weight. So then this turned into a weight loss surgery. So with me at twenty, I guess I was twenty years old. Um, they the my surgeon whose name I don't remember. She was great. She was like, "We're gonna we're gonna do the surgery." I was like, "Okay." She's like, "We could do it laparoscopically." Which is tiny incisions with yep. tool, and then she goes, "I'll try it. I've never done it on someone your size." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, don't start now. Mm-hmm. Let's just do. Let's What's do gonna open. Work? I don't want to go through this twice." So the open, the open. I have a scar that goes from here down to here. Oh, bro, we got similar scars. I mean, come on. Yeah. We've they've all been. Mm-hmm. My spleen was the biggest my doctor had ever seen. Oh, well, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. Like, like, at uh, Mass General, I feel yeah. like guys, some I mean, sort of award should be printed. But the, um, so it's, yeah, so you've had your abdomen just completely open up, right? Mm -hmm. The, I don't think people understand what your core does for you. Oh, so many things. It's bananas. Mm -hmm. So when they stitched me up, so they had to cut through, obviously they cut through all the fat. They had to cut through my abdominal muscles. They had to go in there and whatever, staple things or whatever. And then I woke up. And I was in the bed, and I just felt like I'd been hit by a truck. Yeah. It just feels, as I mean, as you know, it yeah. just feels like I'm never gonna walk again. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna be able to do anything. You had, I had the, uh, I don't know if you had it, but to move yourself, they had like I had stirrups that I could like grab with my arms. Yeah. Because like just I couldn't physically do anything to lean up or whatever. And then for the first, like, four days of recovery, you're essentially the only... F- you can't eat food. Yeah. They give you a sponge that you dip into, like, oh, you can have lemon-flavored water today. Oh, I did that for... Yeah. 
I did that for like four, 14 days was the longest yeah. I did without being able to eat anything. It and it's just cool. like, okay. And then like, but then I began to be like, oh, I can't wait to have that sponge of lemon. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, right? It's just like that lemon sponge mm. is going to be so good. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd see like people wheeling by carts of like food. And like, yeah. oh, what's on the menu today? Hot dogs, huh? Yeah, well, cool. I can't wait for my lemon, lemon sponge. sponge. <laughs> I used to do uh, my ex, I would like, hey, go to the... Uh, Go to the commissary and get like a, some Chex Mix. <laughs> and she'd come back and get Chex Mix, and I would just like take the pieces of Chex and I would just suck on them, just yeah, to suck the yeah, salt. Like, mmm, that sweet, sweet salt. Spit it out because yeah. there's nothing doing down there. You can't chew it, yeah. Uh, so the recovery was an interesting time for me. So I was like 460 pounds when I got the surgery. I think when I left, when I left the hospital after probably a week and a half mm-hmm. the recovery took longer than I thought it would after a week and a half I was probably like 400 pounds like I had lost 60 Holy pounds shit. of water weight and yeah. just like from that did well you feel like you got hit by a truck but did that you to feel a certain like degree oh it feel? just sort of goes like oh okay there might be something to uh-huh. this so then it just became a situation where it slowly started to walk that was the hardest thing in the hospital when they, when the fucking nurses are like prodding you, get up. You yeah. have to walk. You have to do. You and you're just that, like that fucking shuffle. I can't. Yeah. You don't understand. I can't. Yeah. And then you get up and you fucking you fucking do it. Yeah. But just like, you always feel like they don't know how much pain you're in and how weak you feel. Yeah. And the thing is, they they maybe don't intrinsically, but they like see it every every day. day. Every and day. Like, yeah. They're like, like yeah, you're fine. No, I know it sucks. Yeah. But you're come on. Yeah. It'd be like a stranger walking in here and there's no episode written mm-hmm. and they're like, well, how, how is this going to happen? Yeah. Don't worry about we'll it. We'll get to it. It's, we'll figure it out. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Show's going to air. Did you, in this period, did you have like, because I remember having just like fucking like full on breakdowns. Just like, less so when I was in the hospital. Yeah. Because the hospital, it's like, that's when you're in it. Yeah. But I remember, uh, I don't know, something about when you said you had to stop and like, sit down yeah. when you you know yeah. when your other friends are doing I remember watching because I've always been like an SNL nerd yeah. I've just like always watched it yeah. since I was a kid and watching Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the host uh-huh. and he did a monologue where it was just he didn't make him laugh from Singing in the Rain mm-hmm. and just did like all these pratfalls and flips and stuff and it wasn't like funny but it was charming as shit yeah. but he like was so acrobatic and fun and I remember watching that and just like losing it, like yeah. just bawling. So I was like, I'm never, never gonna, be, gonna able to, be able to do yeah. that ever again. Yeah. Like I'm never getting that. Not that I can do flips off the walls, anyways. Right. But like, I just like never feel that level of health. Yeah, you know, I do. It was. There was a point where I just sort of was like, "What will it be like on the other side?" Yeah. Where I just was wondering, will I lose the weight? Will I gain it back? Will it? Will I be done with this? Will it affect the rest of my life? Did I get so heavy that I put so much stress on my heart that my heart is like a 60-year-old's heart right mm-hmm. now? What have I done? These are all things that would run through my mind at, at that At 20? Yeah, at 20 years old. I was just like, I have the heart of a 60-year-old man. What did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it, it luckily is not the case. I'm... I'm Remarkably healthy for someone who was so heavy. And, yeah. Well, that's when your um, body can just fucking take a lick and it keep insane. going. It's insane. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to, like, 
be able to be normal. Mm-hmm. And I just never... Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It feels like the simplest thing. Yeah. But just, I uh, just wanted to be able to be normal. Yeah. I wanted to... I remember a huge thing for me was getting on an airplane and not not needing a seatbelt extender. Oh, yeah. It was just like, just the fact that I could... I would never buckle my seatbelt on a plane because I felt so self-conscious to have to ask for a seatbelt extender. I never did. Never once. Sure. I would always just pull it over me and like pull a shirt down and then when they would walk by it would look it would, like yeah. it would look like my belt was done. But like I remember that I, I might have even sent a picture of it to someone. I was just like the day that I was like I buckled it was just like okay. Did you was that like such a catharsis? It was because that feels like it's like a small moment for anybody else. It's such a tiny thing that like everyone even that takes story, like, I am like Misty. Like that's like yeah. gotta be such a huge fucking thing. Just the, the, when there was when there was slack mm-hmm. in that when in the seatbelt, oh, it wow. was just like I can't believe I can't believe it. I just want to like shake the people next to me. Go look. Yeah. Do you see? Like, uh huh. Yeah. Sure, bro. No, no. I'm I've buckled up. Yeah. No. Good. We all <laughs> have. Like it's done. It's together. Yeah. yeah. It, so it was. It's the little, those little tiny moments for me. Mm-hmm. All those little moments added up to just like an enormous sense of accomplishment and relief, and a feeling of like, okay, that shit period was worth it. Yeah. It just it and you know and it continued and like the day I got married, uh, I was. By two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Holy fuck, man! Yeah, half the body weight that you once were. Yeah, I was two hundred thirty-five pounds. Jesus. I was wearing a Brooks Brothers tuxedo. I bought. Sure. Just I, that's the other crazy thing too to me, which you could shop is, anywhere. I could I could go to Barney's. I could mm-hmm. go to Brooks Brothers. I could go. I didn't have to go to Casual Mail XL, which, which is a terrible, terrible name for yeah. the store. But that's what it was called, Casual Mail, for a while. Mm-hmm. Then they added the XL. Didn't have to do that. Because it was like, we know well, it I don't was. know if people know. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Jim, people said. know. No, no, I think we should make it no, clear to everyone. Uh, let's get some more big dog shirts in here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that, the, that, that sort of thing. Being able to buy clothes anywhere. Being able to sit comfortably in a plane seat. Being able to sit... Being able to get in my car and move it up to... Like, I was driving, I think when I was at my heaviest, I was probably driving with my seat as far back as a seven-foot-tall man would have it. So you're just, like, barely... Just, like, barely tip, able to... Because my gut would get in the fucking yeah. way of the steering wheel. The other thing that I remember, too, is I haven't even thought about this since, since then. I would always wear... wear khakis a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean... Probably just because I went to Catholic school and we had khakis. Sure. So I just ended up getting ingrained in I just ended up being a khaki guy. Yeah. And. Khaki Smiley. Hey, it's Khaki Smiley. I remember getting out of. I would always get out of the car and I would look down and right across my crotch would be a black mark. And I would be like, what is that from? And then I would realize that it was from my steering wheel. Oh, man. Because my steering wheel is literally like rubbing into mm-hmm. me as I'm driving. So it's like... <laughs> so I remember... It wasn't even that long ago. I don't even know which car it was, but... I remember getting in my car and like... 
Just sitting there, I'm like looking at like my lap. First of all, that was a new discovery. Yeah. Laptops now function as such. Yes, sure. Uh, looking at my lap and seeing this big space between me and the steering wheel and just going like, wow, <laughs> look at you, snazzy. Yeah. You said uh, earlier, uh, talking about when you first buckled your seatbelt. Yeah. Did you have, and now you have a wife, so you have yeah. like you have someone to sh- share your life with or yeah. share the small things. Yeah. Did you have, like, anybody to share that moment with? Like, all this thing, because, like, that's at an era when you have, like, friends. Yeah. But, like, I felt like I was lucky enough to have my ex, Lauren, yeah. who was, like, there for the whole time, almost the whole time when I was sick. Yeah. But, like, otherwise, it felt very lonely. It was very isolating because it was an experience that nobody else was having. It was in that... And those little victories are in important. In that sense, it was lonely. In the sense of, like, no one else is going through this right now. But I had my, friend, my two best friends, John and Joe. They're brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were there from like they were my friends in high school right. they're still they were uh my best men at the wedding oh that's cool like it was it, they were like they've been there for me forever so it was so like for instance like when that happened i i probably took that picture and sent it to john like he remembers right he 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 knows like what it was he, yeah he was, he was around for it he's not he weighs maybe maybe 200 pounds yeah and you know he's fit so it's like it's but I feel like that is an important thing yeah. somehow. Like, as much as you need people to get you through the hard stuff, yeah. it's like when you have these little victories, yeah. as much as they're important and they need to be the most important to you, yeah. if you don't have anybody to share with, it's like feels like a little false, feels like a little empty, and just like, it's like you see where I've come from. Yeah. This is a big deal. You get it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, yeah, and for instance, with John, it was just like, as I was working out with my trainer and... So I went, I went back up and mm-hmm. weighed a little bit to probably three... After your wedding. 350. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Like, well, yes. I mean, now I, my wedding was a year ago, and now I weigh 250, whatever. So oh, it's like, dude. You know, that's a normal amount of weight yeah. to gain after a... Yeah. You get, you get like, in, you yeah. get in, like, you yeah. know, fuck shit. Yeah. But I just want to, like... Fuck it. I'm going to look yeah. good. I just want to, you know, I do want to <laughs> drop that off. But sure. I think I got up to probably... The first year of the Nerdist podcast, I was probably back up to 350. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt it. I was like, oh, these pants, nah, I can't really get the normal pants right, right now. Right. Had to go to the casual mail. I was like, well, I was like, those big I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. So I made a conscious effort and I started walking. And I started walking not just to lose weight, but because I had a bulging disc and spinal arthritis hmm. that was causing an intense amount of pain whenever I was laying down or sitting down. Oof. So I had to stand always moving. or walk, Yeah, which was a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. It was another one of these, like, that shark didn't work. Yeah. So I would walk, and I would spend my day. It was fine. I was fine working at Apple. It was retail. I was standing all day. It wasn't a problem. And I had to take um, Vicodin to sleep. That's how much pain I was in. Well, that's not a great thing to be doing all the time. I know, yeah. For a long time, just yeah. because of all those surgeries. Yeah. But, um, but I never. But the beautiful thing about it is, I never finished the bottle. Hmm. By the time it stopped hurting, I never finished the bottle. Oh, that's great. Um, I had to walk everywhere, and I lived in Koreatown at the time, so I would walk down Wilshire, and probably twelve miles a day I would walk, and then I started to lose a little weight, and then Comic Con a couple years ago it was like three hundred and. 11 pounds and mm-hmm. I just was like I need to figure something out so I talked to Hardwick 
and I was like, Who's, you're a trainer that you seem to love so much. What is, what is the deal? How yeah. can I? So I started working out with Tom, who has a pod- Tom has a podcast called Pro U Podcast, which oh. I think you should check out if you know if you're ever like, if you want to be motivated and like he's a he's a wonderful man. Pro U, Pro U Podcast. Yeah. Um, started working out with him, and it was interesting because we would this is the first workout. He was like, "Okay, lay down, lay down on the floor, get up, lay down, get up." It wasn't exercises. Yeah, he was just like, he's like, "You're moving your body weight around. This is gonna be enough for you." And sure enough, it was. And it was just a matter of time. And then I, by the time I met my wife, I was going to him four times a week, hmm. every morning, like four four mornings a week, and I was running three miles a day dude sometimes on this on a weekend i would just go do an eight mile run it's a fuck ton of running <laughs> it was it was the it was my peak physical condition yeah uh and it was very much thanks to tom and 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 the commitment to work out but what i discovered with tom was that i'm i was not doing it because i was for me, I was sort of doing it for him. Like, it just turned into a thing huh. where I was just like, well, I told the guy I'd be there at 8 a.m. I'm going to go be there at 8 a.m. He's invested. That's the, that is what I need. Right. In a, in a situation. You feel culpable to somebody else. I need someone else yeah. to be like, well, where are you? I need that. Right. I desperately need that. And it's interesting, too, because, like, so after I left at midnight, I was, uh, I was just like, oh, fuck, all my money's gone. I'm just like, well, it wasn't gone, but it was just like, I can't be spending like I was. Right. And I was like, spending $1,600 a month on Tom. That's, that adds up. It was it was one of those things where I was just like, fuck, I guess I'll, I guess I have to start working out with Tom. And then that was like, I feel like that has been, <laughs> that has been my biggest mistake. So it's been like a year since I was working out regularly with him. Right. And it, I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, but that, that, that bothers me every day that I haven't started. And the problem now is that I, working on this show his morning schedule now is crazy so he can't right. fit me in and then I'm like I can't, I can't tell you I'll be there at 7 I'll never never know if I'll be there at uh-huh. 7 yeah so it's uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure that out they're all kind of like problems but yeah. jobs like this do I see the way things. you go to the gym during lunch and I am enviable of that yeah I mean I, I it's a little bit like what you were talking about because I always, um, not as a kid, not in high school, but like towards the end of high school, like yeah. I started to be like, oh, I like to be fit. Yeah. Um, but then there was such a long period when I was just not. Yeah. When I was just like, you know, fucking emaciated, like a, you know, Holocaust yeah. chic. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, that it was, there was such a period that after that where it just became such euphoric, like just a, like feeling that I didn't have to sit, didn't feel, feeling not tired all the time. Yeah. Just felt like so euphoric. Yeah, like I remember uh, 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 the first time I went to the gym, or first couple times after like all the surgeries and stuff, or after every time I would get sick, so I would get sick really sick for like six months, and then be okay for like eight months, and mm-hmm. then get sick again, and then and every time I go back to the gym, I would have this experience where like I'd go to like do a pull up, and I would just like you know hang on the bar, and I'd be like and go. <laughs> And nothing would happen. <laughs> it was like an Inspector Gadget, and you say, go, yeah, go, Gadget, yeah. and then shit doesn't happen. Or like me trying like, to move to breathe. Like, but, ah, yeah. I guess it's not happening. But, it, but it's just like such a weird thing. But like, my body sh- 
can what hap- what has happened here? Yeah. So I think that that's like a part of the reason why I go, just because I don't know. I had spent such a long time not being able to use anything. Yeah. Um. So what does this do to you now? Like when now that you are kind of cyclically coming back, like how yeah. you now play out like the worst case scenario, even if it's internalized, is that from? Do you think that's ingrained from? Being six years old and eating the cake because you have so you don't die. die. Yeah, or being the the red tomato on the Phillies, or <laughs> you know, it's it's being I hit by a truck in that want, hospital bed. I never want to be unprepared. Yeah, for whatever, for whatever is coming, and it's I don't I can't remember a time where I was completely sideswiped by something. Because everything has all you know, a lot of things are a possibility in my mind. So I can I can't remember really just going like, where did that come right. from? Which is a strength in that I don't panic. Is that a point of pride? Mm, maybe, maybe it is. Because I'm never like, well, oh, who saw that coming? Yeah, I'm just like, mm, told you. Yeah. Um. So there's a bit of that. And I think that the, because of my outlook, and because I never really feel sideswiped, I feel sort of vindicated by how I live. Right. I sort of I feel sort of vindicated, but rather by how my brain works. Hmm. I'm like, well, thank God I thought of this scenario already. Right. It's not gonna surprise me. I'm sort of ready for it. And I see Michael J. Fox's point of like, you don't want to live that twice, but yeah. you're you're much better at living it the second time. Yeah, that's true. You are prepared. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, two sides of every coin. It's like a Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Where he's just Which trying. Fantastic. It's like a video game. It's like Edge of Tomorrow. If you've never repeat. seen it, guys, it's really see that great. movie. It's so much it's better so than good. the marketing was. Yeah, I've had conversations with that that team over there and oh like, my god just forehead slapping the entire because they thought it was going to be a four quarter movie because there's the love aspect so that's why they didn't want to have kill or die anywhere in the ugh anyways ugh um what would you say uh uh if you could offer any piece of insight and advice to anybody who's in a similar situation yeah or you know, not even a similar situation but an applicable situation of like feeling bogged down and needing to make a change I think or... it's I honestly and this is I had no idea I was going to come in and talk about being such a tubby tubster that's what I'll call but that's, it that's but affected no, so much about love, right? Yeah. yeah so there's a lot of people out there that struggle with the weight and it's I think my advice to them is you have to start somewhere mm-hmm. and for me it started in my mind, it started with laying down, standing up, right. which was nothing, or it felt like nothing. But after two of those, I was a little winded mm-hmm. and started to sweat. And it was a gradual thing. So it's these little, it's these tiny baby steps that mm-hmm. turn into, I don't want to sound like Dr. Leo Marvin, Marvin, sure, yeah. you know. Uh, it's these tiny steps that you think nothing of when you're doing them but you look back and it was the start of right. a huge change 
So it's don't be overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Just do a little, just a cha- tiniest change you can even think of. Whether it's like, eh, switch to skim milk. Yeah. Even that is just, that's a tiny little change you can make. If you're struggling with your weight or anything like that, I would say, get up and walk. Walking is great. Yeah. Do you carry that into other facets of your life? Do you like, is that something that you have, it's like an umbrella uh, mantra now in terms yeah. of like profession or in terms yeah. of romance or emotion it is it's interesting that I work in a profession where there's a there's not so much a clear well there is sort of like a clear definition of success in television which is show running a successful show sure that goes for god knows how long yeah um and you know, I wanted to get out of late night so badly. I just always wanted to be in the scripted sitcom world. Like, I'm obsessed with sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Going back, yeah, you know, Cheers. Like, it. So for me, it was sort of a thing where I could have gone off of At Midnight, jumped onto Colbert, or jumped onto another late night show. But I, in discussing with my wife, we just sort of like went. Well, what do you really want to do? And I was like, well, I've always wanted to do sitcoms. Well, how are you going to do that? And I was like, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll write. I, yeah. I just have to write. And I'll take whatever I can get. Mm-hmm. So when, I, when Adam reached out and was like, do you want to... Actually, you know how I did it? I actually reached out to Adam and told him I would be a writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, anything. I was like, I want to get in the door... Anywhere I can, I'd be happy to be a writer's assistant. And he was like, I feel like you'd be a wasted in a writer's position, position, but, you know, if something comes up, I'll let you know. And as luck would have it, again, my charmed life, there was a situation on the Goldbergs where they had a little more room to bring in. Right. I was like, fuck it. I'll start as a staff writer. I don't care. I'll start at the bottom. It's just, this is one of those baby steps. One step. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Yeah, it's, um, I feel like in my life I, I, I've, uh, uh, in the last couple, last year, two years, trying to, um, I feel like I've been hindered or hamstrung in a lot of ways by fear of, like, it's got to be really good mm-hmm. when I, when I, I, it has to be good. Yeah. Whatever that, f- yeah. And, uh, you can't even articulate, like, what, what, what yeah. is this fear? What is it? What is it? I'm not articulating myself well at all, but, um, but I feel like that is, stop me in many ways um, from taking those baby steps yeah. and I feel like in the last couple of years just like trying to like just get get something done yeah just take a step start on that journey and try to execute it and it'll do whatever you work whatever but. you're doing you do you do the best you can do at it mm-hmm. and you if you're doing that people will know you're trying you just don't want to I don't like to waste opportunity and I don't mind starting from nowhere yeah because I came out I moved out here knowing nobody and with the idea of like well I want to get into comedy and television writing I didn't know what I was doing at all I just came out here and was like oh, I'll start going to UCB shows and I started to meet people and, and I was just like well what's podcasting okay I'll do that yeah and you and figured then, that out really well <laughs> yeah it, it worked at right time right place it was just a matter of... Th- and then when I started on Attack of the Show, 
I started as a segment producer. And then by the time I hosted the last episode of Attack of the Show, by mm-hmm. the time I left there, I was I had worked my way to being the host of Attack of the Show. Right. And that was a baby step. It was a baby step. Then I get there. Going over there, saying, I'll leave Apple and go work as a segment producer on Attack of the yeah, Show. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, baby steps. Yeah. Um, I had a thing. Oh, man, it was real good. I was going to tie everything up in a nice little bow. <laughs> Fuck. Well, it's all gone. You want us to pitch alts on that? Yeah, the shark's not working right now. <laughs> um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Just that uh, we are talking about Point of Pride earlier. I remember in, like, you know, I was sick for most of my 20s, and I remember... Uh, Whenever it'd be like in a meeting or on a job or whatever, just like looking around the room and being there's a little bit of a point of pride of like, I have had to do everything that you guys did and was also intermittently dying. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I'm here. I'm yeah. stronger than all you fuckers. Yeah. And it was less like an internalized thing. It was never like, you know, just like every so often. Did you ever feel that way? Like, I've been through so much. Yes, I've had a charmed life, but like, oh, it's like all these obstacles I've overcome. Yeah. Well, or like I things that, that other I people have. I think about it like, I think about when I sit down, like when I came in here the first day and I sat down and I was like, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Because mm-hmm. I had just come off of late night writing and I was writing a prank show on True TV. It was just like, I was just in such a different world. And when I walked in here, I was just like, sat down and I just was sort of like, all right, buddy, this is what you wanted. What uh, what are you going to do? And mm-hmm. I just was like, why don't I just be me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, they'll either be like, all right, or they'll be like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like, yeah, it's my first day here, but I have been out there, mm-hmm. and I've lived a life, and I've worked, and and this is this is the shape that my marble is in. Yeah, and I hope you enjoy me in the corner. <laughs> I mean, I think that is perhaps the some of the best life advice you can give is just like just be you. Yeah, whatever that is, and sometimes it's hard to define what that is in, in, internally, but. You know, everybody else is going to form their own opinions. Just be as the most you you can be. Yeah, and I know at the end of the day, I'm a nice person, and mm-hmm. I, I wish no ill on anyone, and I will help anyone who asks me to have. You know, I'm I know at the end of the day that I'm a nice person, and I and maybe it's naive of me, but I feel like by the time people get to know me, they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, that shit comes around, and if it doesn't, then eh, that's your own shit. Yeah. Well, lovely. Um, I'm not going to lie. Think, I feel like you just did your best episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think it's definitely top one. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, thank you so much, man. No, Steve, it was a pleasure. It was really delightful. Can't wait to have you on to talk about Star Trek. Ooh, <laughs> man. I'm going to be a little in the weeds. <laughs> I am the not, I, not, I did not have the encyclopedic knowledge that you guys have. Andy didn't watch Next Generation. So we're going to be watching Next Generation, and I'm going to just, I'm going to guide. See, that was, like, more my intro. Like, I remember watching the, you know, the old, I would go see the movies with my dad, and then I've watched them, like, on Nick at Night and shit, but uh, Generation, like, I occasionally stumble across it, like, well, this was interesting. Yeah, it was great. I didn't fully get it at the time, because I was a little too young. It was a fantastic show. And I think what's interesting now, 
with the period of time that we're in, particularly uh, politically, socially, it's interesting to watch Star Trek The Next Generation because they're all like little morality plays. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is back full circle where you didn't think we were there, but... Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back and watch. There's an episode of... Do you watch BoJack Horseman at all? I don't. It's fantastic. Okay. Uh, It's one of my favorite things on television. Um... I really love it. I have uh, several friends who've written for it, and every time I see them, I feel like such a fucking schoolgirl. Like, ah, this episode? And also this ep? Um, But there's one episode that apparently was somewhat uh, mirrored on a Next Generation episode in which, like, Bojack has this entire fantasy life yes and there's like I guess there's an episode where he lives an entire life and he lives an entire lifetime because of a probe that that implants the consciousness of a civilization into him so he lives a whole life with a civilization that uh, has been extinct for millennia Mm -hmm. the probe has just been traveling through space hoping to come into contact with someone who it could transfer this life to so it's called The Inner Light is the name Mm -hmm. of the episode and it won the Peabody that year it's such a great episode of Star Trek. Um, I can tell you from Mass because you said the Peabody. <laughs> whatever, Peabody, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm going out of Peabody. Um, so that, in that episode, he li- yeah, he he's out for a minute. Yeah. Or 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, he lives the life. And no? He has a... Yeah, Luke. Rysikin. Oh, Rysikin, okay. Rysikin flow. Well, see, now I need to watch that, and you watch Bojack, and it'll be great. Done. Great. Uh, thank you so much, man. Don't forget to review him. Yeah, review this shit. Only if it's good. Yeah. Yeah, all right, that's it. I see evidence of you and him that's scattered all around your room. I wonder if it's All right, we did it. Look, look at that little ride we took. We took a fun little ride with Matt Myra, and there we have another episode of Terribly Funny. Uh, hey, listen to that guy. He knows way more shit than I do. So, you know, if you like the show, go to iTunes page and write us a review. Leave us a, uh, a comment. Give us a rating. That'll help us out. We'd love that. Tell your friends. Um, good advice. Thanks, Matt Myra, and thanks for coming after work and sitting and chatting with me for an hour about all uh, uh, the things that life affords us. Um... If you want to see what else is going on with Matt Myra, you can do so at uh, on Twitter at, at Matt Myra. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter. We're at terribly underscore funny. Um, and you can also, you know, you can write us an email if you so desire to say, hey, what's up? What's happening? How you doing? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. Um, and, you know, if you write us, I will get back to you. I promise. Uh, we're a little busy at work right now, but I, I, I honestly, it makes my day and my week every time I get one of those emails. So I will get back to you, I promise. Um, and that's it, gang. Other than to say thank you. Thank you so much to Hayden Fongheiser for doing all the work behind the scenes. Thank you also to Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pot for doing the art and the music. And thank you to you guys, uh, you know, for allowing me into your life, to your uh, morning commutes, to your, I don't know, time on the elliptical. Uh, thanks, gang. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. You guys are fancy and lovely, and I want to kiss you. Mwah. See, I told you I wanted to kiss you. Okay, have a great week. Thank you.